Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today's message is that text from Acts chapter 11 that we read just a few moments ago. The phrase, uncommonly good, characterized the marketing slogan of Keebler for years, where they told us that elves secretly baked cookies and crackers and other snacks in a treehouse according to some secret recipe that made everything uncommonly good. Now today, the Roma Food Group, owner of Keebler Foods, states on their website, we pledge to pursue our goal of baking cookies, crackers, and snacks that are, by whatever measure one chooses to apply, uncommonly good. By whatever measure one chooses to apply. <laughs> Unlike their cookies, that explanation seems deeply unsatisfying. Their standard of measure regarding what is uncommonly good is it's arbitrary and, dare I say, it just isn't all that helpful. For if I use any measure I choose, how will I ever know if what I have is uncommonly good? Maybe my measure is just common. In our text this morning, we see two different terms that are used interchangeably. One is unclean, and the second is common. In our text, Peter is offered animals to kill and eat in order to satisfy his hunger, but he refuses, making the claim that nothing unclean has ever crossed his lips, to which the voice from heaven replies, what God has made clean do not call common. Now, to give us a little bit of help, we need to go back a little bit to Leviticus chapter 20. For it is here that God commands the Jews to be set apart from other people groups because he has chosen them. As the Lord explains that the law is to keep them holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. The things that will set the Jews apart from other nations are that they will, one, worship God alone. That they will follow laws regarding how they interact with each other. And they are not to eat animals that God has deemed to be unclean. Should they eat these animals, they will become unclean. There is nothing vague about what was clean and what was unclean or common. This was laid out for them in Leviticus chapter 11. The animals that are clean can be consumed, and the animals that are unclean or common cannot be consumed, nor even touched. The knowledge that they had been chosen and then set aside by God for a purpose led the Jews to think of themselves as special. And they were. For they were chosen by God and set apart for a purpose. They were uncommon. The Gentiles, on the other hand, were not chosen. They were not set aside for a purpose, and hence the Jews considered them common. This leads us to explore the full meaning of this Greek word translated as common. Common means defiled 
or to deem profane. These are strong words. This became part of the ceremonial law, and Jews were not supposed to even associate with Gentiles, much less enter their homes and have a meal. For a meal means fellowship. It's a declaration of friendship and an acknowledgement that we are part of each other. So in our story, Peter has a vision. A supernatural method that God chooses to use to communicate with Peter. A sheet with four corners comes down from heaven, and within the sheet are all the animals. And Peter said, Peter's told to rise, Peter, kill and eat. Well, Peter refuses, for the animals within the sheet are considered unclean and thus off-limits to him. Yet the voice from heaven states, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happens three times before everything is drawn up into heaven again, leaving Peter with absolutely no doubt that this message is from God. After all, remember Peter's threefold denial of Jesus? Remember Peter's restoration by Jesus in our lessons two weeks ago where Peter was restored three times by Jesus into this ministry. Peter doesn't understand the vision, so he ponders it. And while he ponders it, three men show up. The Holy Spirit interrupts Peter and says, Go with these men, making no distinction. And Peter's testimony here leaves no doubt that going with these men is the will of God. So Peter obeys, and he goes along with six others. Peter and these six men accompany him and travel to Caesarea, where they enter the home of Cornelius. Cornelius relays how he came to send for Peter. An angel appeared to him, giving him direction to send for Peter so that he might hear what Peter has to say and save his house. So Peter shares the gospel of Jesus, explaining to Cornelius, who, by the way, is a believer, that Jesus is the Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for. The Holy Spirit goes to work, and Peter sees the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and remembers Jesus' words, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see... This was another Pentecost moment. They spoke in tongues. The same and equal gift received by the apostles themselves is being poured out on the Gentiles. If God shows no distinction between Gentiles and Jews, who is Peter to intervene? So Peter sees to the baptism of this household of Cornelius. And he spends a few days with this family, probably filling them in on the whole ministry of Jesus. Now, up until now, the church has not sought after Gentile converts. So when Peter goes to the home of a Gentile and baptizes his household, the news spreads. The circumcision party, known later as the Judaizers, makes except, takes exception to this, and they criticize Peter. But notice their objection. You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Their, their objection makes no mention of their conversion. 
They are only concerned with adherence to the ceremonial law. For them, the only way to Jesus is through the synagogue, adherence to the ceremonial law. It would appear that even for the early church, denominations abound. Now, our world is filled with sources that like to bring division to the forefront. You can't turn on any news source these days without hearing about our differences, our categorical distinctions. Most are actually pretty silly, but if you are focused on them like a laser on a target, well, apparently it's a big deal. But this really shouldn't surprise us. After all, we all make such distinctions about our differences with others, don't we? We look at people and their situations and declare one right and one wrong, and it's usually based on a standard of rules. Yet all the while, we quietly and conveniently disregard a lot of these same rules for our own lives. Because we, like everyone else, well, we are filled with desires. We break the same rules that we accuse others of violating. And we cope with our own failings by adjusting our own ideas of right and wrong, molding our own code of honor to fit our lives so that our preconception about us being good and moral people will not be tainted. We tell ourselves we're not hurting anyone as we rationalize our actions that actually place us at odds with that original set of rules. God's law. It is as if we think we can face God and hold our thumb on the scales of justice to tilt it in our favor. No. And when this happens, we need a course correction. And a course correction is what we see happening in today's text. And this leads us to the point of this whole story that we should not overlook nor allow to be lost. Throughout this whole story, it is God who is acting. It is God who sends the angel to Cornelius and tells him to send for Peter. It is God who brings this vision to Peter. It is God who tells Peter, go with them without distinction. It is God who proclaims that he has made it all clean. It is God working through the words of Peter that sends his Holy Spirit to the Gentiles, to the home and household of Cornelius. God uses these words and grants the Gentiles repentance that leads to life. As Peter gives his testimony to the brothers, he is clear that he did not make this decision to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He was directed to go two different times, first by the vision and second by the Holy Spirit. Truly, this is God at work. Placing the emphasis of this story on God and His will. His will for the Gentiles. After all, it is Jesus Christ who shed His holy and precious blood for the sins of the world. 
This is the message of the sheet from heaven. It covers the four corners of creation with the robe of Christ's righteousness, paid for by the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Nothing is left uncommon. Nothing. Have you forgotten that you are a forgiven and renewed child of God? In your sin you were unclean, but by the blood of Jesus that is poured out upon the cross, you've been made clean. You were washed in your baptism and given faith unto life everlasting. You have had your sins removed. God has done this. Who are we to say otherwise? We are no longer common, defiled, or profane. We are changed from condemned sinners to redeemed children of God. Peter saw the Holy Spirit fall on the Gentiles just like it did the Jews on Pentecost. God is widening the net of his gospel to collect all people to himself into a repentance that leads to life. Now because of the work of Christ and his Holy Spirit, we too are captured by God's grace. We've been made clean and declared uncommonly good. The death and resurrection of Jesus has changed everything. God's grace and his kingdom are not for, are not for those who are just born into the right families or in the right neighborhoods or even in the right nation. For God desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For though we were once on the outside looking in, we are now on the inside looking out so that others might hear and believe and repent and receive life. God now gives us the privilege of sharing his good news. He gives us both the challenge and the joy of bringing people to Jesus. A challenge because we need to work on overcoming our shyness, don't we? And trusting in the plan of God. Joy because there is great joy in heaven when even one sinner repents. And if you haven't felt that joy, well, tell someone about Jesus. Once you experience someone else coming to faith, you will want more. And this lesson should also change our outlook regarding unbelievers. In our minds and hearts, we make a thousand different categories in which to place people, don't we? They might have a different value system. They might even process information differently. But Jesus died for them as well. They too are made clean before the Father by the blood of the Lamb. And someone just needs to tell them. Will it be you? What is causing you to lump people into that category of common and disassociate from them? What is hindering you from sharing the gospel of Jesus with your friends who need to know? The resurrection of Jesus has changed everything. It has changed everything for you and for your neighbor, your neighbor who might not know Jesus. 
God is at work in his word. Who are we to stop him? Are you afraid of finding out that sharing the gospel is a lot like a child jumping into a mud puddle? It looks daunting at first, but when you take that leap, oh, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? Think of it, the joy of a child as he jumps into the puddle and sees the splash. He doesn't care about the wet feet. But the puddle's only an inch deep. The joy of sharing the gospel is as deep and as wide as the ocean. Come experience it. Now go in peace. For you are covered with the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You truly do have peace with God. Christ's death and resurrection has seen to it. And then serve the Lord, for you were called into his service through that same blood of the same Lamb that made you a child of the Heavenly Father by God's grace alone, through faith alone, that is given to you by God alone, through his word and Holy Spirit. Praise be to God whose resurrection has changed everything. You are uncommonly good. Praise be to God. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.